1: only able to do all he says in his word he can and will handle what concerns me he will do it because i'm his child he loves me we must stick to him like glue never let us see ourselves separated from him especially in these times we must be ever steadfast we must be ever immovable in our faith in him who is able we must not let things get into our head and we can't listen to our own voice. We can't listen to our insides here. We have to sit still and listen to the still, small voice of God.
0: When you look at the circumstances of your life, you may feel fear and discouragement, wondering where God is in it all. David felt this, and Pastor Dave will encourage you today to remember God's promises are true, and He is with you in all things. Don't doubt Him and fall into sin. Instead, be steadfast in your faith. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 28. As he begins his message, living with the enemy.
1: You are sure chapter 27 of the book of 1 Samuel. Now, as we begin this short chapter, but there seemed to be a lot in it, at least when I study it. David had been a fugitive now for about seven years. David had been on the run for about seven years. He fled into the wilderness. He lived in caves. He scrounged for food. He survived many different encounters with Saul and his men. But the Lord had prevailed. The Lord had delivered him out of each one. The Lord had provided for him miraculously. The Lord had given him food. The Lord had helped him and, and protected him the entire time. He kept him from the hand of Saul time and time and time again. And during all this time... David had a very intimate and loving relationship with God. During this time, the Lord had been preparing him to ascend to the throne of Israel and to become its king. David had followed the Lord's guidance. He never questions the Lord's command, even when the Lord led him into danger. David followed the Lord gladly. And even though he had been appointed or excuse me, anointed by the Lord as king, and even though the Holy Spirit had come upon him and had never left him, and even though he knew that God would eventually give him the throne, and even though his wife Abigail assured him of this, and even saw himself assured David of this, David was sinking into depression. David was sliding into depression. It may be possible that during this time, David wrote these words. We can't be 100% sure, but it might be during this time that David wrote these words in Psalm 13. Let me read the first four verses of Psalm 13. David writes, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Interesting enough, as we study today's scriptures, it's as if David forgot verses 5 and 6. Verses 5 and 6 of the same song say, But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And it seems like as we get into chapter 27, David forgot this. David forgot this. It seems that he's no longer trusting in the Lord. It seems like he's wavering in the promises of God. It seems like his faith... And his patience, which has been tested time and time and time again, are fading. Seems like they start to fade. I don't know about you. I felt this way from time to time. I felt this way from time to time. Where are you, Lord? I thought this was your promise. I thought that was your promise. Where are you? Have you forgotten me? What's going on? I've felt that way. We must be ever so careful not to fall into despondency. We have to be so careful. When we begin to believe that our circumstances are bigger than God and that somehow God cannot deal with our circumstances, we get into major trouble. We start to slide down a slippery slope. A slippery slope from depression to despondency to despair. It's like we're saying, God, I know you're the creator of everything, but you can't handle my situation. It's as if we say that. And if you're honest with yourself, you may have even been there yourselves at some time. I've been there. I've done that. When we look at our circumstances, then we feel discouragement and we become despondent. We feel overburdened. We feel with fear. You know what fear does to you? Fear leads you away from your faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. You begin to fear. We lose faith. We lose patience. We lose the courage. And in those instances, the enemy becomes victorious. The enemy seems like he's raised up and he's become victorious. And even though you and I both know the end of the book, we know the end of the story, we win. God's victorious. We know that. But yet when we go through these times, where are you, God? Where are you? It's in times like this when we desperately need to remember the Lord's promises that they're true. And it's time like these when we need to remember that the Lord is not slack in his promises. The Lord will accomplish everything he set out to do in you. In you, he will accomplish the work that he started out to do. Philippians 1, 6. He who began a good work through you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. In times like this, we have to cling to Jesus Christ. We have to cling to him. It's almost like I'm grabbing on those ropes; and saying, you're not going anywhere. We must believe that the Lord is not only able to do all he says in his word, he can and will handle what concerns me. He will do it because I'm his child. He loves me. We must stick to him like glue. Never let us see ourselves separated from him, especially in these times. We must be ever steadfast. We must be ever immovable in our faith in Him who is able. We must not let things get into our head, and we can't listen to our own voice. We can't listen to our insides here. We have to sit still and listen to the still, small voice of God. This is where David is. This is where David is, and he makes some wrong choices. And when you wonder why, you start scratching your head. But I love the fact that the Bible tells us that these guys weren't so great sometimes, I love the fact that these guys, the Lord never hides their failures. He did not hide Abraham's failures. He did not hide Jacob's failures. He doesn't hide their failures. We can read them and know that the Lord rose them up and did mighty works in, them, in, in their lives. So as we read verse 1 of chapter 27, it's almost like David gave up. Verse 1, And David said in his heart, Now I shall perish someday at the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me then I should speedily escape to the land of the Philistines and Saul will despair of me to seek me anymore in any part of Israel. So I shall escape out of his hand. We know David to be a lover of all things of God. We know that David spoke of the Lord constantly. We have psalm after psalm after psalm after psalm that he expressed his feelings openly. But here there's a problem. He's no longer speaking to God. He's no longer speaking to God. The Hebrew language translated in his heart means he was talking to himself. He was talking to himself. That's the Hebrew translation of in his heart. And in doing so, he becomes mixed up. He comes to the wrong conclusions and falls into this deep depression. The results? He ends up living with an enemy for a year and a half. All because he talked himself into it rather than listening and talking to God. Sometimes we can convince ourselves of some pretty strange things. Sometimes we can convince ourselves when we get in trouble when we don't consult the Lord. We convince ourselves of things that are untrue. We start to believe the lie. We start to believe the lie. Instead of knowing what is true, we make up what is true in our mind as we talk to ourselves. And the result is just like David. We find ourselves in the enemy camp. And I know that none of you want to go there. I know that none of you want to be in that camp. But when you're there, the first thing out of your mouth is going to be, how did I get here? We must be ever so careful talking to ourselves because when we talk to our heart, according to Jeremiah, (laughs) the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Deceitful and desperately wicked. My heart is not only deceitful, but it's also wicked and desperately so, according to Jeremiah. Many have been led into rebellion. Many have been led into disobedience. Many have been led into great sorrow because they follow their heart without changing their heart or challenging it and judging it by what the Word of God says. Be ever so careful. This is where David is Saul's going to kill me. It's just a matter of time. He's talking to himself. It's if he's saying, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to die anyhow. I'm going to go live in the enemy. I'm going to just see what happens. I don't know what to do. Maybe if I go someplace, he won't come after me. But you know what? He's going to get me sometime. So David does something that doesn't make sense. And this is what happens when you get in this state of mind. When you're no longer talking to God, when you're no longer seeking God's advice, when you're no longer trusting God for the promises that he's given you, when you're no longer walking and abiding in Jesus Christ, you come to a place where you do things that don't make sense. You don't make sense. And look what he does in verse 2. Then David arose and went over with 600 of his men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. Excuse me? Gath? Wasn't he at Gath? Did not he go to Gath before, remember? Whose hometown is Gath? Goliath. Goliath, Goliath was born there. He was born there. I went and learned something really interesting the other day, thanks to Bill. You know, Bill's a great professor. I'll tell you what, he, he studies the book and he tears it apart. I learned something really interesting yesterday that I didn't know. There are a lot of things I don't know and I love it when I learn something new. In Ruth? Ruth? had a sister-in-law Naomi's daughter-in-laws I remember there were two Naomi was, was the one who went over right with her husband and their sons their two sons married Ruth and Orpha O R P H A guess whose mother Orpha was Goliath Yeah remember what she did she left she went back to she went back Ruth stayed with Naomi and went to Israel. Orpah went back to the Moabitess, went back there. She was the mother of Goliath. Isn't that cool? Anyhow, I just had to share that with you. So they went back to Gath. This doesn't make sense. You were at Gath once. Remember what he did at Gath last time? He played dumb. He played like a madman, drooling at the mouth, pretending he was crazy so they wouldn't do anything to him, so they wouldn't kill him. He feared for his life. He sunk to the lowest he could possibly be. Well, he goes back to Gath. He didn't go there because the first time they wanted to kill him. But he was alone then. Now he had 600 of men or more with him. But he wasn't trusting in God. He wasn't trusting in God because these 600 men who came with him, not only were they with David, but they had their wives and their sons and their daughters with them. Because if we go over to chapter 30, if you go to chapter 30, you'll find out that when the Philistines came in and raided them, they took the wives, and the children. So it's estimated that David could have gone to Gath with somewhere between two and 3,000 people. 600 men, wives and children and all that. He went there with quite a group. He wasn't trusting in God's promises. And because he wasn't trusting in God's promises, because he had sunk to a situation of despair, he becomes what Saul was several chapters ago. David now becomes the schemer. He takes up where Saul left off. He becomes the schemer. Instead of pretending to be a madman, he deceives the people of Gath in another way. David is operating on his own. He's out there on his own, operating not in faith. Faith is living without scheming. Faith is believing the promises of God for what they are. We said that at the beginning. All the promises of God are yes and amen. And if it says it in here, it's true and we believe it. And we trust in it. That's a promise of God. David wasn't doing that. He's not operating in faith. When you trust in God, there is no need to scheme. There's no need to plot and scheme and try to manipulate people to do this or do that. It's when we do not believe in the promises of God. When we trust in our own understanding, we begin to scheme the things we des- for the things we desire instead of allowing God to provide for us. Hence, Solomon wrote in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean out on your understanding and all your ways. Acknowledge Him. And He'll do what? Direct. direct your path. Right. Right. David wasn't doing that. David was now directing his path. And I have found out through reading the Word and through my own life that when I direct my own path, my loving, wonderful, Wonderful, awesome, heavenly father goes, go get him, David. Let me know how this works out for you. He steps back and lets me go. But yet when I turn around, he's right there. He's right there. So that's where he is now. Let's read three through seven. So David dwelt with Achish at Gath, he and his men each man with his household, and David with his two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. And it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he sought him no more. Then David said to Achish, If I have found favor in your eyes, let them give me a place in some town in the country that I might dwell there, for why should your servant dwell in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Now the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was one full year and full months. So now we're going into the mix. It becomes worse. David now has defected to the Philistines. Not only has he defected, But he's responsible for the spiritual care of all these other people. All 600 men, their wives and their children, their sons and their daughters, and they all come with. And David is leading them down a path of destruction. David is not being a good shepherd here. David is not being a good shepherd. David knows all too well about the Lord is his shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord, he knows that. David is not doing what he has written. David is not doing that. He defects to the Philistine, and it touches everybody there, including his two wives. But David did accomplish a goal. Remember verse 3, the end of verse 3? No, I lied. At the end of verse 4, Saul sought him no more. (laughs) He did accomplish something. He got out of town, and Saul said, ah, I heck with him. Not going there. But now David is in a place of compromise. Oh yeah, the C word, compromise. David is in a place of compromise. This is how it starts. This will leave David worse off than when he first began. And this is what compromise does to us. It starts with a very, very little tiny compromise. Compromise. And you start to compromise here. You start to compromise there. And pretty soon, the compromise gets big, and you find yourself in consequences that you are just thought you could never be in, all because you compromised. You compromised God's promises. Look what He does. David submits to the king of Ashkis, calling himself Akish's servant. How low can you go? He calls Achish, my Lord, I'm your servant, he says, for why should your servant dwell? He's now serving the king of the Philistines, the dreaded enemy of all Israel. He's compromising with the enemy. This is not a good place for a child of God to be. This is not a good place for the child of God to be. Compromises. And we have, once David moves to Gath, there are no recorded Psalms written. I think that's very interesting. Why do you think that is? I think it's because he didn't have a good relationship with God. He wasn't tight with God anymore. He wasn't yet. He had backslidden majorly, absolutely. This was not a high point in his spiritual life. And here David goes to the king of Gath, whose name is Achish, and asks for a city of his own. He's he's like, he's saying, well, you know, we're too crowded here, and I really shouldn't live in your palace. Why don't you give me uh, a city? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Give me a city. He didn't care if he found favor in, in the eyes of a Philistine ruler before. Now he wants to find favor here. What a change. What a change. He has sunk to a new low. And this is what compromise does to us, gang. It brings us to a new low. We start to compromise here. We start to compromise there. We start changing this, changing that, not believing in God's promises. And the next thing you know, you have a world of hurt upon you. And although David had seen Goliath, Achish knew that Saul was still seeking David at this time. If he welcomes David into the palace, David might be able to help him. You know, there was a lot of them. I told you chapter 30 says, chapter 30 talks about the wives and the the sons and daughters, that the Amalekites attacked the city of of Ziklag, not the uh, Philistines. All told, there could have been 3,000 people there. They needed their own place. So he settles there in this new city of Ziklag among the Philistines. But he's not being honest. He has ulterior motives. David is discouraged. He's despairing. And his heart didn't affect only him. It affected these 600 men and their whole offspring. He has sunk to a new low, a new level of discouragement and despair. Before, he would have never dreamed of doing this. See, this is what compromise does to us. We find ourselves in places where we wouldn't even dream. Nobody in here is thinking, gee, how could I go out and sin bad tomorrow? Nobody in here is thinking that. How can I go out there and really mess up tomorrow? Yeah, you know, we don't have a plan. Well, tomorrow I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do this. I am going to really mess up. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to, no, we don't have that. But we start to compromise a little bit. We start to compromise a little bit. We get a little bit off, just a little bit off. And as we continue, all of a sudden we're out there in the middle of nowhere thinking, how did I get here? In his wrong thinking, he must have thought he had it made. Saul's not chasing me anymore. I can do what I want. I can hang out and do whatever I want. And that's exactly what he does. I've got it made here, living with my peeps, the Philistines. You know, sometimes we grow weary. And sometimes we even struggle, even with our brethren, even amongst ourselves, their struggles. I mean, after all, we're a family. And I never knew a family that didn't argue once in a while. So we struggle sometimes with our peeps. We struggle sometimes with our brethren. And we think, you know what? I'm tired of all this church stuff. I'm going to go hang out with the world for a while. David did. It's almost like David gave up on God and said, you know what? I'm going to hang out in the world a while. Oh, oh. You think you might even get treated better there. You think you might even get treated better in the world than you will in church. And that might be true. I told you about being a teacher for all these years. And when I taught in Colorado, they had a smoking area and they had all these things. And you get new kids who would come to school. New kids would come and they would come into school. The first group that treated them decently wasn't the jocks. It wasn't the cowboys. It wasn't even the smokers. It was the druggies. They treated them like royal. They loved them getting them in there because they saw profit if they could look on drugs, I guess. But they were the ones that were going outward towards them. They were being treated than they were anyplace else. So what happens here? David's being treated wonderfully by these guys, but he's in the pit of discouragement. He's there. We grow weary. I'll hang out with the world a while. We got treated. And for a while, everything seems good, just like we're going to read here. For a while, everything seems okay. Saul's not chasing me anymore. I'm going to hang out here for you. We don't have any hassles. We don't have any worries. Nobody is chasing me. But eventually, it catches up to you. You are sure hope.
0: Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. While we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel Cape May, right now we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m. along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers that we'll be wise in our decisions and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel right here on Assure Hope.